Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a few moments with us to take a look at the book. We want to study God's Word in light of how it fits in to the end-time scenario that seemingly is describing current events happening in our world today. I have a five-hour audio series on CDs that will help you understand the origins of everything that is in existence today. This is entitled Return to Eden. Where is the Garden of Eden? How does it play into the end-time scenario found in God's prophetic word? Well, this is a five-part series the Garden of Eden, beginning and end, sin in the garden, sacrifice in the garden, the battle for Jerusalem, which is key to understanding this, and the Messiah's throne room. Right now, we'd like to take a few moments and allow you to hear a portion of the introductory study in this five-hour series, Return to Eden. Once we've done that, I'll tell you how you can get your copy of this five-hour audio series on CD, Return to Eden. Now, let's take a moment and listen to a portion of The Garden of Eden, beginning and end. Go to chapter 5 just a second. I'm not teaching Jeremiah. I just want to show you some of the connections between prophecy and creation. They are in lockstep. Chapter 5, verse 22. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord, Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual degree that it cannot pass it, though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail, though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it? Have you ever stood on the edge of either the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean or maybe the Gulf of Mexico and just been amazed? We were this last summer in a conference at out in near Cannon Beach, Oregon. And uh, they allowed us to stay right on the beach, a beautiful condominium with a great big plate glass window looking out onto the... Oh, it was beautiful. Those sunsets were so miraculous. I couldn't believe it. And to walk, But I would stand there early in the morning before anybody came out to the beach and realize God placed a boundary there. That unbelievable Pacific Ocean could not come beyond that. Oh, Maybe temporarily for a little bit, but it could not come beyond that point. God had set the bounds. Who am I? Who am I to want to deal with a God who can set the bounds of the oceans? Look at verse 24. Neither say there in their hearts, let us not fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. You know, we used to be an agrarian society. Until we started building these magnificent cities, which I believe is anti-biblical, by the way. I really do. I'm not trying to be funny. I believe that's anti-biblical. One of the major sins before the flood was the building of a city by a man who had murdered his brother. And that has continued on. What did Nimrod do? When he went in the face of God, God said, fill the earth. And he said, I'll make us a city. So I do think it's wrong. But think about our agrarian society. That's what we used to be. What, 50, 60 years ago, we were about 85% agrarian society in this world, in America, and 15% city life. Now that's reversed. It's 85. And how has crime advanced? Only because we built the cities, these 
gigantic metro complexes, metroplexes. But anyway, think about the harvest. Think about the harvest that God brings in. I love to go to Harry's home up in Scroon Lake. I love to go to this one as well. But Harry's, he, he, he is so proud. When we come in, he can't hardly get over himself and all the beautiful flowers he has planted around that place up there, right on the, I just, I'm, I, I know I covet every time I come there, Harry, so please <laughs> forgive me. But it is so beautiful. And to think that is this connection, God provides the rain. Maybe sometimes it seems like a little too much, you know. What have they had up in Screw Lake and snow this year? Hundreds of feet, no, not hundreds of feet, but lots of snow. But God provides it all. And he's talking about that. Can you even not be paying attention to this God? Go to chapter 10 and verse 12 just for a second. Chapter 10 and verse, well, we'll start in verse 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Now slip to verse 12. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Oh man, we were driving down on Saturday night, got in about midnight since I had had to do my radio broadcast up at Chattanooga before we came down. And it was a clear sky, and that moon was full. I don't know if you saw Saturday night. It was beautiful. And the heavens, and he stretched out. I love the phrase. In the fourth day of creation, he created the sun and the moon, and it's like he started to walk away, and the stars also. (laughs) It's like an after, oh, the stars also. I forgot, almost slipped by. And he stressed him out. Unbelievable. That's why he's so powerful. The connection between prophecy. Go to chapter 27, just a second. Chapter 27. Uh, at the time that Jeremiah is writing, they're talking about uh, the coming of the Babylonian Empire. That's his prophecy, that's what he's dealing with. Look at verse 5 of chapter 27. Verse 6 says, Now I have given all these lands unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. That was what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter five, uh, 2. I have, God has given you all of this. Thou art that king. Thou art that head of gold, he says. But look at verse 5. I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it Unto whom it see meet unto me. You want to know why they don't like to deal with Jesus Christ? Because he is the creator. And the creator puts in power who he wants in power. And he takes out of power who he wants to be taken out of power. If you don't believe that, if you could go back down the corridors of time in history past and ask Nebuchadnezzar, he could tell you, I took out of power this one, Nebuchadnezzar, who thought he was greater than all. Go to chapter 31 just for a second. What about the Jews? Chapter 31. He's talking in chapter 31. I'm going to resurrect a people. I'm going to put them in a resurrected land. I'll resurrect their language. Tommy, there's a lot. everybody's putting on their coats in here. So uh, close the door. That would help. Yeah, the thermostat won't have to be attacking it. <laughs> 
Okay. <clears throat> Here we go now. Chapter 31, a resurrected people, a resurrected land, a resurrected language, a resurrected interest in spiritual things. That's the new covenant it's talked about in chapter 31, verse 31. A resurrected Jerusalem it's talking about here. But notice what he says here in verse 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for the light by day, and the ordinances of the moon, and for the stars for the light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord is of host is his name. And if those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. As long as the sun, the moon, and the stars are in the heavenlies and the waves roar, I have not finished with the Jew. I have a plan for the Jew. Their seed can only be taken. Hitler made a terrible mistake. He tried to put Jews in an oven or a gas chamber. All he had to do was get rid of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the Jews would have been gone. He would have had no more problem. But there was his mistake. And God says, as long as they're there, I am going to have a purpose, a plan for the Jewish people. Look over at chapter 33, and I'll conclude with tracing his, uh, excuse me, prophecy and creation together. The Davidic covenant is that Jesus Christ is going to come back. Or, a, let me just restate that, that a descendant of King David will sit on his throne that he established in Jerusalem. Seventh chapter of 2 Samuel, the Davidic covenant. It is a key covenant in understanding end times activities. And there are many saying, well, the kingdom has already been set up. We're living in the kingdom now. That is out of the pit of hell, my dear friend. I don't mean to be so blunt, but that is exactly what it is. Anybody says, we're, by the way, most of those television evangelists that you watch on so-called Christian television are the ones that saying we're that way. We're in the kingdom right now. Because we're talking about the kingdom blessings. That's what they're propagating and causing you to send thousands of dollars to them. Their kingdom now in their philosophy in their theology. The kingdom is not here, and the kingdom is not in heaven. The kingdom promise is going to be on this earth, a literal kingdom of a thousand years, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4, 5, and 6, and Jesus Christ will rule that kingdom. And that is based upon the creative acts. Look what it says here in chapter 33. He's talking about those things that are going to have, chapter 34, let's look at chapter 34. He's talking about, behold the day, verse 14, behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and unto Judah. Verse 15, in those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to go up unto David and he shall execute judgment. Verse 16, in those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. Verse 17, for thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Verse 20, chapter 33, thus saith the Lord, if ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there shall not be day or night in their seasons, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he shall not have a son to reign upon his throne. You know how I can know Jesus Christ is coming back. I can be absolutely positive he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem because the sun and moon and stars are up. You ought to be rejoicing every moment. 
of every day. They're up, and Jesus Christ is coming from the line of the King of David to sit on a literal throne to rule a literal kingdom in a literal city called Jerusalem. Well, prophecy and creation go hand to hand. You've been listening to the first CD in a five-part audio series on CD entitled Return to Eden. This series will help you to understand why there is a battle for Jerusalem. The prophet Zechariah wrote that in the last days, Jerusalem would become a cup of trembling and a burdensome stone. That's Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. This five-hour CD series, Return to Eden, will help you to understand why the focus of the entire world will be on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem in the last days. If you're interested in getting your copy of this five-hour audio series on CD, Return to Eden, let me give you the number to call. It's 877-674-3298. Now, that's a toll-free number from all across America. Call our staff. They'll be happy to tell you how you can have your own copy on this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Return to Eden. This is one of the most important studies I've ever done. Once again, that number for you to call, it's a toll-free number. Call and make your order of Return to Eden. It's 877-674-3298. And I want to remind you, Jesus Christ is coming, and it could be today. So let's keep looking up until...